0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Down But Not Out. Today, I'm joined by Ryan Austin. Ryan is the founder and CEO of Synapse, a Toronto-based learning and development operation software that has offices in the U.S., Mexico, and Africa. A longtime entrepreneur, Ryan has started several companies dating back to 2005. Right before starting his current company, Ryan exited GoFishCam after successfully building the company from 2014 to 2019. Ryan, thanks for being on the show. Thanks
1: for having me, Nick.
0: Absolutely. And I'm not sure if my introduction sufficed, but please go ahead and tell, give us a bit of your background leading up to Synapse and your down but not out story.
1: Yeah, no, no problem. I mean, um, uh i would define myself as an entrepreneur first i wasn't very good at school i tried university for three years and it just didn't work out for me um and uh i i kind of turned my dorm room into this like mini campus shop and got in trouble and uh had to figure out like okay well how do i do this so that's when i built my first tech company because i took everything online and uh and it's been kind of a journey since. Um, I mean, one company led me to um, to working at a, a company called World Trade Group, where at the time, uh, I noticed that this company's competitors offered corporate training services, and they didn't. So I pitched the board. I was leading a few sales teams. I pitched the board on building a new revenue stream for them. And um, became senior vice president of training Americas. And that's how I kind of by <laughs> default fell into uh, learning and development and learned about that.
0: Awesome. And then, uh, I'd mentioned go fish cam, uh, where was that in the journey? Was that uh, part of another, like, was that while you were doing this other job as well, or how did that fit in?
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, after, 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 uh, you know, prior to joining World Trade Group, I started a company and ended up didn't working out. Um, yeah. And so, just to to save up again, I, I joined W T G World Trade Group, and uh, they were later acquired by private equity. And you know, rather than sifting through the changes, you know, I did really. Good. I, had, I did really well um, building out this new revenue stream. So I kind of built back up where I felt comfortable to going back to entrepreneurship. I felt that I got some new learnings, etc. And um, at the time, I wanted to get back into tech, but I wasn't yet sure what I wanted to do. Um, so I started consulting and learning and development because I knew how to make money there, just as a cash flow business, and figured that I would help companies. Um, you know, uh, we we built out a, a corporate training services company. Um, I co-founded it with somebody named Josh and started building it out. And it was more of a cash flow company. It wasn't recurring revenue. So, you know, like every month was a new month type of thing. Hard business to build. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I started looking at investing in, in diversifying. And um, I went to actually a wedding with a, a friend's wedding and I had a friend named Reza, and he's like, "I really want to be an entrepreneur I'm like well yeah. let's come up with ideas on this trip and we were on this Cadmararang, and you know i'm a i am ai grew up as a like an angler I love fishing and and we're back at Cadmararang, everybody's partying. and you know like the the local Cadmerang staff members they were fishing off the back while we we're going back inland and and they caught this fish and it got off the, the line and uh they're like oh i wonder what it was and i'm like well what if you could see underwater um you know with some sort of camera and so then i went to Reza and i'm like hey reza um this is the idea you know we did research we didn't saw people like the competition was people like welding go uh, go onto fishing lures and stuff yeah. like that and then we're like okay there must be something here And, um, and so I just, Reza was an engineer. So he started building like prototypes out out of like the raspberry Pi and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, nothing to what it ended up being, but came to the time where Reza and me had to put money into take this prototype to actual like proper prototype. And he, he, he basically uh, got cold feet. And yeah. was like, you know what? Um, I, I can't invest that much money into building this. Like, it's too much for me. And I'm like, oh, Reza, like, this is what entrepreneur. You said you want to be entrepreneur. It's about taking the risk. You gotta commit and figure out the pieces after. But got cold feet and bailed. And I already signed a contract to get this prototype built with a engineering firm. And uh, and coincidentally, uh, around that time, my brother. Brandon was graduating university and, you know, uh, came to me and he's like, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Does everyone
0: come to you and say that?
1: <laughs> no, but, you know, I'm happy to, for the right people to like pay forward, give yeah. help out where I can. I got a lot of help from mentors along the way. My brother's like, want to be an entrepreneur. Um, Graduated university in Ottawa. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm not sure. And I'm like, well, I have this go fish cam thing. And I'm like... It was never meant to be my full time job. I'll give it to you and I'll yeah. invest a bit to get it going and I'll teach you how to fundraise and all of that and you operate it and I'll like teach you how to be a CEO essentially. And so that was a deal. And he uh came and moved and slept on my couch and built GoFish Cam. And several years later we sold the company. So it's pretty cool story.
0: Uh but GoFish Cam was almost oh, I wouldn't say Yeah, it was definitely in trouble after your engineer left. uh, And you didn't really want it as a full time job. And your brother just so happened to be at the perfect time to take it over. Were you a part of daily operations still there? Were you running the consulting firm?
1: Yeah, I was running the consulting firm because, uh, you know, my thesis with the consulting firm was to actually learn about problems in learning and development um, to find a tech play because the learning and development function was so behind other functions in um, in like just digital transformation or how, how modern teams operate, et cetera. And, uh yeah. And so I I was still digging into into that um and so I was more of an advisor like CEO coach to my brother um yeah. and you know uh like an investor um and uh just taught him what I knew um uh, there was a lot of yelling um <laughs> and uh but it worked it was a good formula like brothers can build businesses successfully uh, cuz it's so hard Get to these yelling matches and which leads me to, you know, you, you asked me about telling the story with, uh, and so the one I chose was, you know, with, with Synapse. So, um, Josh and I started this, um, and Josh is like one of my best friends to date still. Right. And so yeah. we started this, uh, consulting company, started making money from it. And, um, I, you know, I was never content running a services business. Um, And so even though we were running it and we made it successful, we got it to a few million dollars in like 12 months. And, uh, and I was just never satisfied. You know, like I was not like, Hey, this is like what my life is or the mission I want to be a part of. Um, so I I was okay to kind of let everything go and, uh, pursue the next big thing. We got into some accelerator based off of some like, You know, this thesis around potential software we could do. And I moved to New York and then eventually to uh, Texas. Um, And, you know, we were doing the services and trying to figure out the tech thing at the same time. And um, at some point we said, okay, we think we know what we want to build. We need a tech co founder. So we got introduced to somebody in Texas named Sebastian. You know, he kind of joined up. And so, you know, Josh. Sebastian and I kind of went off and started working to build this prototype and um and you know at the beginning everything's so exciting and and uh and and whatnot. And then, you know, reality sits in building tech companies is really, really hard, right? And uh um you have to not pay yourself longer than you thought it would take, right? Um what you thought might take three months of not receiving salary or a payroll could be like 12 months or 24 months. And so it becomes really hard and, you know, you have to make choices. Like, where am I going to pay rent from? Like in my case, I had a line of credit. And so I was using that and, you know, um, I was, and um, Josh had some income and Sebastian had some income and we pay ourselves where we can. This was pre like product, right? Like we yeah. were building the product. So we didn't even have sales, but we've we eventually got to a point where we started sales but you know this was like a, a very early version of the software um we're selling to enterprises the people who were buying from us were first mover innovators like untraditional enterprise buyers and um we we didn't have funding so we you know we early days and and so we were um like borrowing money against contracts and then paying off those loans like 30 days after because of net 30 payment terms to pay engineers and salaries or whatnot and you know we we weren't sure if we'd be able to raise money with this company at some point we needed to because we needed to get ahead of like the company needs and and whatnot and uh and it was a hard time. I mean, we had to make hard decisions to the point where Josh and I both agreed that we had complementary skill sets. And, you know, if we were trying to figure out how do we survive another day, you know, we recognize that probably both of us, it didn't make sense for both of us to be in the company. And like, you know, this was a friend who moved to, to, from Canada to the U S we co-founded another company together. We built this together and, um, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, we kind of had to like look at each other and just be honest. And so that's a tough well,
0: conversation for sure. Yeah.
1: And we, we, you know, and the conversations get way tougher. Right. And so we mutually kind of talked about it and, uh, unfortunately, you know, and um, like, J- well, Josh and I both agreed that, you know, I should stay on and he'll leave. And we, we ended up doing a deal where he ended up going and running the services company. You know, we, we stopped doing services. When we launched our software, we said we can't do both. And so yeah. we said as hard as it's going to be, like you can't do services and software together for our business model. And so we, we just needed to like rip off the bandaid. And, um, and so he left and I stayed behind with Sebastian and we tried to get it to a place. We still had no money. We weren't paying ourselves. We were paying the engineers. And, um, you know, at some point, Sebastian said like, you know, he was 10 years older than me and wanted to have a family and stuff and said, um, like, I, I, ha- I can't do this anymore. So I have to figure out like, you know, uh, where do we go from here? Or like how do I make income or or whatnot? And we we're kind of striking out at the time with uh, with investment. Like we raised a little bit of angel money, but you know, it yeah. wasn't like significant. We were close to the end of that. And that money needed to be to the engineers because it was like the fid- fiduciary responsible thing to do was to keep like, always make sure you're keeping the lights on and paying your people versus yourself sometimes right and so um you know long story short um we decided that the company should uh move to either New York or Canada and that's where we should set up shop and you're in Texas um, still at this point yeah exactly and um and we got you know uh I knew a group called the DMZ in Toronto, and they're like, come here, we'll help you, give you some office space, et cetera, help you tap into some of the mentors, figure things out. So Sebastian was supposed to move back to, supposed to move to Canada. um, And then like a few months after I moved down, basically said like, Hey, look, like, you know, I don't think I'm going to move. want to be with, uh like grow my family here in texas talk to my wife about it and like i have an exciting offer from amazon and you know at my point in life it sounds like i should just go and do that so ended up being like me plus like now you know two co-founders down yeah and uh me and like four engineers in mexico and uh and you're not
0: technical in that sense either no 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 cto yeah
1: oh yeah So now I'm like, you know, company has like 10 customers, four engineers, no technical co-founder, like barely any money. And it's like, hey, how do you figure it out from here? So heads down and just did what I know best, like sales, 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 sales. And so I moved the company, you know, I moved to Canada uh, unofficially back at the end of 2018, just to see how things would go. Yeah. And I sold my socks off. Um, (laughs) And I I got the company to a pretty interesting level where we started having money and could hire somebody. So right away, you know, I was close with Sebastian. There was no hardship. Right away, um, uh, talked to, to him to, you know, help me recruit for a technical, like, head of engineering and we ended up finding somebody named Lumi who who joined us at the time as like VP of and um, and he started managing the team and then we started building it out from there. But now we got to some interesting numbers where it was like, okay, we have a new technical person in place. And those were like hard three months, like you know. Oh the yeah. personal side, it built a lot of pressure in my marriage, my wife. Like you know, it was like very emotional personally and business wise and just have to figure it out. Like, you know, life, uh, life throws curveballs at you. And sometimes you just have to look at it and be like, this won't defeat me. And like, you won't know how to overcome it. You won't know what to do. Um, but you just take it day by day and try and figure it out and control what you can control. And it's super stressful. Right. But, um, just that belief in being persistent and you, can, you never know what's like around the corner, like what, what can happen. Anyways, we did these speed dating things at this DMZ place and I met a, a VC who got interested and then they dug into us and realized that we had a really messy cap table, obviously yeah. two co-founders and whatnot. Did you keep, so,
0: did they retain all ownership Josh and Sebastian afterwards or was there some divest uh divesting of shares that happened how did that work
1: yeah so um I actually uh I got some advice from like uh, other story but through GoFish Cam I connected with like Kevin O'Leary at yeah. some point like from Shark Tank and yeah, that's cool and um, I met one of his like uh, fund uh like heads and he they're in Toronto and Went for lunch and told them about this issue, and he actually recommended something that ended up working, which I would recommend to any co-founders dealing with something like this. Which was good
0: lesson, yeah.
1: You know, we we didn't have the money to pay out Josh and Sebastian um, all at once. Like we were just barely making it by, and uh, and you know, obviously they participated in the company up to a certain spot, so we. Um, Got some data points around like what could the company's valuation be and basically structured a deal with them where we'd pay them that portion of money times their equity, but we vested it like a mortgage over 25 years. Yeah. So monthly, we'll start paying you monthly this amount of money over 25 years, but with accelerants. So if we raise the seed round, we'd accelerate X percent of that. When we raise okay. our series A round, we'll accelerate another 50% of what's outstanding. When we raise our series B round, we'll pay the remainder off. But in exchange, you have to give back the, sell the equity back to the company.
0: Yeah, that was on, my question. Yeah, you're not purchasing like back to the company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And well, at the time it was just me, right? So. yeah. Like plus some of the uh angel investors who like got topped off because of it, but primarily I was the major shareholder, so it mostly came back to yeah. to to me at the time because we're in the early days um you can structure it different ways, obviously you know it gets more complicated as you have more shareholders or investors or or whatnot but um depending on how you're performing, I guess it yeah. dictates it's your negotiation power right? So, <laughs>
0: No, so, I think that's a, yeah, that's a, a good takeaway. If you need to get rid of a, a co-founder or two and they want to exit early on.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't say get rid. And I know you didn't intentionally mean it like that, yeah. um, but I, I'm sensitive. Well, some people need it. to, not you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. I'm sensitive about it. Cause again, Josh, like one of my best friends. And like, yeah. this was a very hard decision for all of us and Sebastian, but that was like hard conversation number a thousand. But for the sake of this story, number two, because it was like we can't, the company's paralyzed. We can't raise money um, with the cap table as is. So either I walk away, right? Yeah. Which I would prefer not to do, but the company's dead at this point. Yeah. Or you have to do this. There's no, there's no, can I keep a little bit and we do this? We have to like just do it super clean to give the company the best chance. Of succeeding with venture capital fundraising and at this stage you know like several years into it um, without like making money and living off savings, it was like I, I can't personally go on trying to run this like you know like Josh is doing his new thing Sebastian has a nice job like you know I also have to put be fair to myself in this circumstance and not put myself in a in a, in a losing outcome where like I'm making an already very hard job, even harder. Right. So, um, so I, I was serious. I was about to walk yeah. away from the company. I, and uh,
0: the, Yeah. Even like you personally, you said it was messy for VCs as well. So this could have been a move that potentially saved the company from your own regard of wanting to stay in, but also you wouldn't have been able to really raise with them yeah yeah save so saves the smart, company completely yeah.
1: yeah and it it was a a good win win scenario where it was fair to the co founders um yeah. and a, you know what's fair so if the company didn't make it because it was treated as severance, they would have to get paid out before any investor it's income yeah. right yeah so it actually put them in a in a position to protect um like what they would be owed over anybody else, which which was good for them too. And I felt good about that even, right? Like yeah. if I don't execute well and I fail, you guys win and I lose. Yeah. But if, if I win, you also win. Everyone right? wins. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, worked out and fast forward, like we're like 40 employees now and uh, yeah. you know, starting to crush it. So
0: <laughs> where are you in your raising as well?
1: Um, uh well we're private companies so we're still seed yeah. stage company and yeah you know uh we were thinking of doing our series a but something else happened where we were uh i can't really talk about it yet there's going to yeah. be announcement soon but we were able to get equity non-dilutive um and uh so i postponed that raise to you know this was like substantial money without the cost of dilution. Um
0: so like venture debt, can you say that?
1: Um somewhat. Yeah. Something to do with like the government and things okay. like that. I'm in London. So, I'm
0: in Canada too. So I think I have an idea. Okay, cool. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So okay. I mean put it this way, I got really good at doing grants during COVID yeah. and um and kind of learned the ins and outs of that. And um and we've had fortunate outcomes, um which is great. Like we can invest back into Canada talent and uh, yeah. also build a global tech company at the same time. And so, yeah, I mean, um, so we ended up postponing Series A because we got some money. And like this year is our growth year. Next year will be our scale year. And, um, you know, like I was with Josh over the weekend and we were talking about it and, you know, having beer. So it's, it's yeah. fun to stay in touch and keep things fair and uh, be on good terms with people at the same time. But you know, like face hardship, and diversity in the eyes, and say "fuck you" and survive. <laughs>
0: yeah, and that maneuver—that was—I don't want to call it maneuver, but that that tactic, uh, that that structure, that deal structure—is really what saved the company. I think definitely important um, for yeah. others as a takeaway. So,
1: I think I think the uh, the takeaway is like, especially when you're facing hardship and you feel like things are dead, you you really don't know what's on the other side. You can't be stupid about it. So if the market's not speaking to you and you're getting bad information and there's just nothing there, like do what Kevin O'Leary says, take it take it out back and shoot it, right? Yeah. Like build yeah. a company because time is your most valuable resource. As an entrepreneur, you'll, you'll do something next, right? And you'll take yeah. the learnings from that and apply it. But the market speaking to you is really, really hard. Um, sometimes, You need to be patient and be persistent. And this is like really hard stuff. Like you get depression, you feel lonely, um, you know, so just talk to people openly about what you're feeling, try and get advice. It's not going to be solved overnight. It could take 12 months, could take 24 months. Listen to the market. If the market's speaking to you and you believe in it. Keep going, figure it out day by day by day. And at some point, the magic will happen where things start to turn around, right? And if you look at a lot of the most successful companies, I know everybody here is like, this company's a billion dollars, that's a billion dollars. Like, you know, there's a company called Docebo. It's a learning management system started by a professor um, in Italy. And they didn't do anything for like eight years, 10 years. Yep. Like they, were, they had nothing. And um, now they're like a $3 billion company that's on the public market, right? It took them 12 years, 15 years or something like that. So these things take time and um, you just have to be smart enough to know what small data points you get at any given time, which like listen to the market and use the data to make your next move and figure out and it's not going to come easy you have to dig it's stressful it's like finding a needle in a haystack but if you're persistent you'll figure it out and if there's something really there it will end up working out right
0: um i think that's a fine balance between knowing if you have something and you need to wait or if you need to take it out back and shoot it so yeah i think that's smart yeah i think that's a, a good takeaway from everybody Um, and we're on a bit of a a crunch, so we'll wrap it up there, Ryan. I appreciate, uh, you sharing your story. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. If you did leave us a review, also subscribe to the show to be alerted of new episodes and like, and share on social media, help us spread the word of down, but not out. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I know. Thanks, Nick. See you.